0: But when it comes to the two most influential men of all of history, we don't have to speculate. Scripture records their deeds and makes very clear for us who they are. And their actions have cosmic proportions that influence the lives of all people for all time. The following is from the Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. Reaching out with rock solid hope from Rim Country, March 1st, 2020, Romans 5, 12 to 19. Never stop to reflect on who are the most influential people in history, the people whose actions and lives affected not just their own or their own nations, but many around the entire world for the rest of time after them. Some of them are actually unsung heroes. I don't know if you've ever heard of Lieutenant Colonel Petrov. He served as a lieutenant colonel for the Air Defense Forces of the Soviet Union. And his job was to sound the alarm if a detection was found of missiles coming in from the United States to attack the Soviet Union and according to protocol and according to his orders he was supposed to report such an attack so that if it was detected then the soviet union could retaliate with nuclear missiles aimed back at the united states and their allies so you can imagine the pressure when he found there was an alarm A false alarm sounded and he had to then carry out his orders and his protocol And by his hesitation, by his not sounding the alarm, his act of disobedience, many historians think he prevented what would have ended up escalating into a nuclear-fought war, which would have ended up killing millions of lives and affecting billions of people afterwards. Many historians credit him as the single person who was probably the most influential and unsung in the last millennia, perhaps. In fact, don't we really owe today's existence in the last 37 years to that single man? But when it comes to the two most influential men of all of history, we don't have to speculate. Scripture records their deeds and makes very clear for us who they are. And their actions have cosmic proportions that influence the lives of all people for all time. That'll be our focus this morning as we look at these two men. And we begin our series of contrasts found in the epistles of the Apostle Paul. The two men, Adam and Christ. Now Adam is presented by the Apostle Paul as the someone who was the, really the most negative impact, brought about the greatest change on this world, and the most destruction. No, Adam himself, perhaps, doesn't seem to appear on the pages of Scripture like a villain, but from him all villains come. And Adam didn't instigate, it would seem, a war on earth, but from him all wars flow, and after his actions, every act of bloodshed and evil comes. And Adam may not seem like someone who's bent on causing pain, but from him, by his act of disobedience, single act, All disease, pain, suffering, and death came into the world. Now, don't misunderstand. Adam wasn't set up by God to stumble and cause all this. Adam was actually set in paradise. Adam walked with God in the garden which God had provided in perfection. Adam was given all the fruits of the garden to eat. But God gave Adam a single command, which we see in Scripture. He was told, not to eat from that tree, which was in the middle of the garden. There was Adam, the only man who could claim to have such perfection and wonder, the only man who could claim to have a perfect marriage and a perfect life. And somehow, Adam and his wife found themselves standing in the middle of the garden, gazing at that fruit which they were told not to eat. And they engaged in dialogue God's enemy, the devil. And you might say, well, isn't Eve the one who was deceived? But Adam just, it says, was with her. Adam said nothing. Adam did not speak up in defense of God's word. Adam did not stand by his wife's side to speak what is true. Adam just passively stood there. As often is the case, by that act of disobedience, everything fell. We read the sad pronouncement when he disobeyed the Lord's command. "Dust you are, and to dust you will return. So the Apostle Paul points to Adam. and He says here in Romans chapter 5, Sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people, because all sinned. You might say, well, but I didn't. We might want to shake our fist at Adam and put the blame on him, but... Adam stood as the representative for all of us, all of humankind. Adam fell on behalf of all of humankind, and his sin is our sin. And we, like Adam, are born in sin and to face this death, all because of his fall into sin. Now, at this point, someone could also interject, but how is that fair? After all, there are are a lot of people who didn't know or didn't have a command like Adam did, didn't sin against a direct command of God. Adam, after all, had God speak to him. Or maybe you could say the the people of Israel on Mount Sinai, when it came to Moses, they were given God's commands and they have broken, like Adam, direct commands. But what about all the other people in this world? Do they deserve death when they never broke a specific command of God? Paul's answer, all sinned. And yes, it's true the law wasn't given directly to them. It was not the revealed law of God. But he says, nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam. So, really, every argument against saying no one broke a specific command falls flat because, as Paul points out, all died. There's the response to every argument against, but I didn't do what Adam did, but you will die. The sin of one man brings you death. Just as if Lieutenant Colonel Petrov had, had signaled the alert, perhaps his single action would have caused death for so many. Adam's single action caused death for so many. And isn't that a striking picture? What it says, the result of his action, death reigned Picture death, the pretty awful tyrant to have over you. It kills all of its subjects. And that's the bleak picture that Scripture presents. Could anyone claim to have a bigger influence on history than than this man, at least a, a bigger negative impact than Adam? No one has caused more damage or pain, or war, or suffering. From him comes the endless frustration, the insurmountable pain, and ultimately, the tyrant death over all of us. But the Apostle Paul points out, there's there's another one on the pages of scripture. It's quite influential. Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. Paul's about to make a contrast. Behind the backdrop of the darkness of Adam and sin stands one another man. And this other man, who, like Adam, does a single thing which affects all people. But Paul says he stands out far greater than Adam. Adam, who brought all into darkness and death. This man, he brings all into something far greater and better. Paul says, it's not even worth comparing. The contrast is so great. He says, the gift Is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more God's grace and gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, will come to the many. See, Adam's terrible altercation of this, really the cosmos, this world, came from his sin. But the other man, Jesus, it came from a gift. Paul calls it here a gift of grace. And Adam's overflowed to many. Jesus' gift overflows to the many. Paul even says that you can't compare, nor can the gift be compared with the result of one man's sin. When Adam sinned, it was one sin that overflowed to the many. But when Jesus gave the gift that we needed, the opposite of Adam, it covered many sins. Picture a courtroom where the judge sees the person who has committed awful crimes, crimes deserving of death. And the judge lays out the sentence because that man has committed that crime. He says, the sentence you deserve is death. That's what Adam had. But in Christ, it's this. Picture a judge now who sees not just one man, but a whole courtroom, a whole world filled with people, who had committed not just one deed worthy of death, but many sins worthy of death. And that judge declares you're innocent. You're declared free to go. All of you. That's the gift found in Christ. The one gift which gives life for the many. And if you remember the terrible tyrant death, what is the gift? Paul describes it by saying the righteous reign of life What we have in Christ is the gift of living with him in life eternal. All the the pain and the suffering and the death is covered with the gift that is brought by Christ. And we have righteousness and life with him. It's a really succinct picture, isn't it? Right now, death reigning, but what we have in Christ, the reign of life. Notice he says, it is received something that is now being received by those who, through the gospel, see Christ. Paul gets to the the greatest point of contrast that brings life. He says, Consequently, just as the trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. Just as through the disobedience of the one, The man, the many were made sinners. Through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. There's Adam, and his act of disobedience was in the garden of paradise, turning aside from the Lord. But there's Christ, the one man who stands in strong contrast to Adam. There he is in the garden of Gethsemane, down in his face in agony, knowing the weight of death that's going to come on him. And instead of an act of disobedience, we see the greatest act of obedience As the Son of God cries out, Father, it's not possible that this cup of suffering be taken away unless I drink it. Your will be done all of history, all the ups and downs of your life hinge on that moment. If he had decided that he was going to call on legions of angels to rescue him and pull him out of there, or to protect him, he would have accomplished very little. If he had decided to exercise his divine power and authority, to put down those who came to arrest him and to bring himself back to perhaps would have accomplished defeating a few enemies. But this one man, Jesus, came through his obedience to accomplish the most influential act of obedience. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to strive after or to be used to his own advantage, but made himself nothing, taking the very form of a servant, becoming obedient, even to death. By that act of obedience, facing the cross and suffering our death, Paul points out, we have the greatest and brightest contrast in history, who is like Adam, and that by his action, he influences your life for the rest of time. That one act of righteousness brings life for all. Jesus, the true Son of God, came into this world to carry out that act that none of us could and to bring us that reign of life. Sounds incredible, doesn't it? But all of it really hinges on this. One man brought death. One man brings life. And this is a message which it says here is received an abundant provision of grace and a gift of righteousness that we reign in life through that one man Jesus and it's a gift received through faith how could we let this man be the unsung hero of history that gift of light is received by those who receive the light of the gospel this sermon series on the strong contrast that we'll see in the epistles all comes down to this the gospel's light shines against the backdrop and darkness of sin in adam we have death. In Christ, life. In Adam, the law and sin. In Christ, we have grace and life. Jesus shines in the brightness of the pages of Scripture. Quite something. We actually do proclaim and point to one man who brought us all down, but one man, the God-man, who lifts us all up. And the strong contrast of the gospel shines as you and I, don't, don't let him become an unsung hero of history, but speak of what he has done. And so that those who are in that darkness, under the reign of death, will hear of the reign of life and the gift of righteousness. And together with them all, we will shine with Christ. Amen.